Uh, good to see you all today, here today. Uh, thanks for joining us. Um, why don't I pray as we, as we begin? Loving Father, we do thank you so much for giving us your words. Please help us today as we think about what, it, what preaching is all about, what it means, uh, and why it's significant and important. Would you speak to us and encourage us uh, and be at work in our hearts as we, as we uh, listen? Please give us alertness. Please help us to, to appreciate the gospel afresh uh, as, we, as we look at this topic together. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I was uh, preparing, I looked up our church sermon podcast, uh, uh, and we have about seven and a half thousand minutes of sermons recorded in about the last five years uh, of the church. So if you fancied, you know, like you sometimes binge a series on Netflix, if you fancied a sermon binge, it's, it would be five, over five days nonstop listening, if you fancy it. Just to, just to put that in perspective, the Lord of the Rings extended edition, uh, you could listen to that ten times in the same amount of time, or if you fancied flying to Australia, uh, you could fly to Australia seven times uh, in the same amount of time as it would take uh, to, to listen back to all the sermons. But I guess the question is, why, why do we record them? Why do we keep them? Why do we think uh, preaching and the sermons are so important? Uh, before we come to Christmas, we're just spending a few weeks thinking about some of the, the kind of key ministries, some of the key things we do as a church together. We're thinking about preaching, we're thinking about why we baptize people, and why we uh, share the Lord's Supper together. So kind of little three, uh, little mini topical series. Um, so that's kind of where we're going. But, but today we're, we're thinking about preaching in particular. Hopefully it's just in, it's helpful to, to consider these things that are really significant for our faith, why we, why we treat them uh, as important, why we do that. Uh, so that's why we're thinking about preaching today. That's why we started by reading a sermon from the New Testament as the reading. Uh, basically the first sermon of, kind of uh, Peter uh, as he preaches the gospel. And we see it laid out there in the book of Acts. It's a really significant moment. It was vital in the early church and it's still vital today. Uh, and so that's why we give kind of a decent chunk of our time together every week uh, to preaching. So we're going to explore that today. And I've got four questions for us to think about. We're going to think about a why, two what's, and a who. All will make sense as we go through. So a why, two what's, and a who uh, as we go through the uh, sermon today. So the first one, the first one is a why. Why do we preach? Why do we preach? And the little subtitle there, it's a command. It's not an optional extra. It's, 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 it's a command in the Bible. Let me show you from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. They're up there on the screen. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the words. Uh, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Paul is, is kind of passing on the baton to Timothy, uh, sharing you know, wisdom and, and kind of commissioning him really to continue in ministry. And this is the kind of charge he lays before uh, Timothy here as he does this. It's quite a significant thing, isn't it? He charges Timothy in the presence of God and in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the presence of the judge of all, the one who came and died and rose again, the one who has an eternal kingdom. In his presence, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to preach 
the word. Preach the word. Proclaim the truth about Jesus. And you do it in season and out of season. That means you, you do it whether it's easy or whether it's hard. You do it whether people want to listen or whether no one's interested. Uh, it's there to correct and rebuke and encourage. Kind of three outcomes of, of the preaching there. Now, I'm sure we can get on board with being encouraged. We want to come to church, don't we? We want to be encouraged. Can we get on board with being corrected, being rebuked? That's, I think we find that a bit harder, don't we? It's a bit trickier to, kind of, uh, to consider that as we come to God's word, we, we need to come humbly, expecting that actually he might show us something that we need to be corrected on or, or, or something we need to change. I know he does that as I prepare often. He works in my own heart, helps me, me correct my own attitude and, uh, before, before I ever come and stand up here. Um, so it's important. But then, of course, we do that with, with great patience and careful instruction. It's there at the bottom, isn't it? Preaching is it's a long game. We don't uh, always change overnight. Actually, it takes time, doesn't it? It's a, we, we grow and change in a gradual process. And frankly, we're often forgetful. We often uh, you know, don't, don't get things right. And that's why, actually, it's good to do it every week. It's good to do it uh, repeatedly because we, we need to hear the truth again and again, to help us remember, help us take it to heart uh, and help us learn and grow from it as well. So we want to do it with care, with compassion. We want to do it with accuracy. It says careful instruction there. I haven't put the next verses up, but verses 3 and 5, it talks about how a time will come where people don't really care about the truth, don't really care about careful instruction. They'll just find people who teach whatever they want to hear. And that kind of has happened all through history, but you can definitely say that's happening today as well. Paul says, no, preach the word. Don't please people, proclaim the truth. Teach the truth about Jesus and correct and rebuke and encourage as you do that. So we preach because it's commanded. And I think it's commanded because actually it's something that Jesus himself modeled. Here's another verse from Mark chapter 1. Right at the start of Mark, see what Jesus said about why he came. Jesus said, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So that's a key aspect of his ministry, was to come and teach and preach the good news. We're following in, in Jesus' footsteps, really, by, by uh, modeling that and, and, and continuing in preaching. So that's why we do it. But I guess the question, next question is what? What actually is preaching? What do we mean when we talk about it? What's happening when we talk about preaching? Well, again, I've got a couple of verses just to try and unpack that, try and explain what's going on. And uh, this is particularly humbling, particularly sobering for, for those of us who do preach. Uh, for Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 13 says this. We also thank God continually, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. Do you see, something incredible is happening uh, in a sermon. It's not just human words. Actually, it's the word of God. True preaching in the power of his spirit, in the truth of his spirit, is the word of God. It's how God speaks to us, how God works in us who believes, as it says there. And actually, that's kind of a concept that we see again and again in the New Testament. Let me take you to one more verse that kind of really struck me uh, in a significant way kind of says something similar Ephesians 2.17 he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near now that 
we, we, I guess the question is, who's the he? Because it could be anyone, couldn't it? Could come and preach. That makes kind of sense. But actually, you look at the context, and this is talking about the Lord Jesus. This is talking about Jesus is the one who came and preached peace. Uh, and the one who brings peace between Jews and Gentiles and, uh, and unites his people in the church. Uh, and, and fine, you think, yeah, that's all makes sense. But the, the thing is, he's writing to the church in Ephesus, which was a city in, I think, now what is now Turkey. And if you look through the Gospels, you'll see Jesus never goes to Turkey. He never makes it that far to, to go and preach. So what, what's Paul saying when he's saying, he came and preached peace to you? He's saying that the people who came, that himself and maybe other people who came and preached in that city, it's as if Jesus himself was preaching to them. That's really kind of striking, isn't it? The fact that, that Paul could say Jesus is the one preaching through uh, these other people. I find that quite staggering. I find that very humbling uh, as I come to the text like this, that, that, that Jesus is the one speaking to us as we come to his word, as we preach it. Clearly not something we should take lightly. But if, you, if you're a definition-y sort of person, let me give you one that I found this week that I found really helpful. Preaching is God speaking in the power of his spirit about his son from his words. Preaching is God speaking in the power of his spirit about his son from his words. I think that's really helpful, isn't it? As you look at those things. It's the primary way in which God speaks to us today as we look at his word carefully as we see what it has to say to us God is is speaking to us and so I want to encourage us really to have a high view of of preaching as a church family to 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 come with expectancy to come expecting to hear from God hopefully well I hope you've noticed that in kind of the way we speak about preaching uh, here as a church we try and avoid phrases like just calling it a talk or just calling it just coming to explain a passage now actually we're coming to preach. It's something more, it's something deeper than those things. It's more than just explaining. It's, it's how God speaks to us, how he encourages, cracks us, rebukes us. Now, I must, I've got to acknowledge, of course, that as human preachers, we can get it wrong. We are sinful. With the passage in 2 Timothy I mentioned talks about those teachers who, who kind of preach what their itching ears wanted to hear. We can get it wrong sometimes. But actually when we get it right, when the Spirit is at work in us and we proclaim the truth, there's God speaking to us through that. That is a powerful thing to consider, isn't it? And actually, that's why we tend to to kind of go through books of the Bible piece by piece and we look at each bit carefully rather than just sort of picking random bits or picking topics like that. That's why we have that as our kind of main diet, if you will, as a church family. Because if we just kind of if it was just up to me to kind of set, right, okay, I'm going to preach on this, I'm going to preach on that, this is what I think would happen. This is another quote for you. If we just preach on selected topics, the church will slowly be conformed to the pastor's mind rather than to God's mind. And what we want, what as Christians we crave, are God's words. That's what we want to hear and know in our souls what he has said. I can, please trust me when I say you do not want to be conformed to my mind. <laughs> that is not what we're here for, is it? We're here to be conformed, to be more like Christ, to be more like God. So we let him set the agenda. Sometimes when you're preaching, you know, things come out that you never would have expected, you never saw as you were preparing. I, I, that, that really happened in the, the Revelation series that we've just done. 
some of the things, some of the applications, some of the things that he was doing in my heart that came out of that. It wasn't kind of like, oh, I, I know the church needs this, so we've got to say this, we've got to say that. It's just what came out of the text. It's how God spoke to us in that moment. It was really significant. I, I, I found it encouraging and challenging for me. Maybe you did as well. But that's why we preach like that. That's what preaching is all about. God speaking to us. So let me encourage you again. Think about how you prepare to come and listen. How you prepare to, to come into the building. Not to take it lightly, but to ask for God to speak to you through his spirit uh, as, we, as we preach and listen together. So that's what preaching is. But the second kind of what I've got for you is what should preaching do? What should preaching do? We've kind of had a little hint of that already, haven't we? We've talked about encouragement and correction and rebuke. But I want us to, to just spend a couple of minutes looking at the first few verses of the book of Titus. Would you turn there with me um, to the book of Titus in the New Testament? I'm um, just going to read the first few verses there. Um, yeah. Titus chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness in the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time and which now at his appointed season he has brought to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Saviour. This kind of pulls together quite a lot of what I've already said. And it's one of those verses that we tend to gloss over. When you read the start of the letter, we just kind of skip ahead and we get to the good bits in the middle. But you see that we, there's something really good about what Paul is saying here. Saying he is a servant and an apostle. He's serving God by bringing the gospel message to, to towns and cities in the world. And how does he bring that gospel message? We see it in verse 3, doesn't it? Through the preaching entrusted to me at God's command. That's what Paul is saying that that's, that's his commissioning to go and preach the truth. And he preaches the good news of Jesus wherever he goes. And then in between verses 1 and 2, we get kind of three things that he, he talks about, kind of what he expects to happen in his ministry, what he expects to do uh, as he comes. And as preaching is such a key part of that. So let's have a think. What, 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 does, what is he achieving in his ministry and his preaching? There's three things there. I wonder if you spotted them. The first one was, to further the faith of God's elect. To further the faith of God's elect. Now, if we're Christians, we are God's elect. We are God's chosen. Uh, we are chosen by him. We are given the gift of faith. Uh, and we were helpless. We were lost in sin. Uh, and Jesus comes and, and saves us. And the Holy Spirit helps us see that. And we put our faith and our trust in him alone through his death on the cross. But that isn't a kind of one-time thing. That's kind of, that's the story of the rest of our lives. It is growing in our faith and our trust of Jesus. So when we go through hard times or maybe sometimes when we realize a, a new depth to, to our sin, we need our faith to be furthered, don't we? To, to kind of, to keep trusting, to keep holding on to him through all of life. And actually preaching is something that can help us do that. To, to further our faith, to keep us going and holding on to Jesus uh, as we trust him. It's also there, did you see, to further the knowledge uh, of the truth that leads to godliness. That should be fairly straightforward, shouldn't it? As, as believers, we should want to know more about Jesus. We should want to know more about the truth. 
and preaching should help us deepen that knowledge, deepen that understanding uh, of who Jesus is, of what he has done, of, of how he did it through the whole of history and then how he came and died to save us. It's really important. We, there's, no, no one could ever say, I know enough <laughs> about God. I know enough about the gospel. I know it all. Of course, there's always more we can know. But actually, to see that the, the thing is here, it's not just an academic exercise. I know it can be easy for preaching to become a bit academic, a bit lectury rather than a sermon. But you see here, no, it's got to lead somewhere. It leads to godliness. It should help us grow and live differently in how we, yeah, in how we live for him. I guess if you went to a lecture on the dangers of speeding, or if you've ever done a speed awareness course, uh, I don't know, maybe it does help you change your behavior if you drove dangerously before. But sometimes the statistics, just information, it's not all that impactful, is it? Whereas, imagine if you were listening to someone whose life had been changed by speeding. If they'd been involved, if they'd caused an accident, or if they'd been involved in an accident or something like that. It would be far more dynamic, wouldn't it? You'd be drawn into their story. You'd want to hear about what made the difference to them. And it might then change your own life too. That's a bit more like what preaching is like. It's not just about knowing stuff. It's about hearing about how Jesus changes our lives and makes a huge difference to us. And that's kind of what transforms us, knowing Jesus. So that should be our prayer, shouldn't it, as we come to sermons, to, 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 that we'd listen and we'd know things, but it wouldn't just stay in our heads. It would go deeper into our hearts and change how we live. And then there was one more, which I hope you saw there, to grow in the hope of eternal life. Now, sometimes when we use the term hope, we kind of think it's about something that might possibly happen. I hope it will be sunny tomorrow. I hope my train isn't late. I hope I might go on holiday next year, that sort of thing, right? But the Bible uses hope in a very different sense most of the time. It's a sense of saying, look, something is definitely coming. This is definitely going to happen. That gives us hope now. That gives us hope now. It's kind of... um, I guess it's like if you were going on holiday, you get it booked in the diary. You get it, you, you've paid it for it. You've got it booked in. It's a bit more certain. You know it's coming. You know it's going to happen. And that's the kind of biblical hope we have with eternal life. It's like it's done. It, it's going to happen. We, we can hold on to that. If we trust in Jesus, we have the hope of eternal life. And we can trust him. He has risen from the dead. So we can promise that he will, he will come back and uh, and. Give eternal life to all who trust him. It will happen. And it will be far better than we could ever imagine. Just what a wonderful thing to be thinking about on a kind of dreary November afternoon. It's good, isn't it? Eternal life. Life with Jesus forever. The best holiday you've ever been on would be nothing in comparison. And holidays always come to an end anyway, don't they? They always go too fast. This is eternal, never-ending life with Jesus. It will be glorious and amazing. And preaching should always kind of point us to that hope, help us remember uh, what that means, the certainty and the reassurance that comes from that. That actually, when we go through hard times, that's not the end. We have a great hope for the future. So three things that preaching should do in our hearts, in our lives. And that's helpful, isn't it, to, to maybe think, well, is that... Is, is that what's happening as we listen, as we preach? Is God doing these things amongst us in our hearts? But remember, I had one more question for us this afternoon, which brings us back to the most vital, central aspect of preaching. And it's who? Who? 
Who do we preach? And the answer is, we preach Christ. We preach Christ. There's a a great verse in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For since in the wisdom of God, the world, through its wisdom, did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. It's good verse, isn't it? Preaching may seem like foolishness to many. This idea of sitting and listening, it may baffle people, especially when we're talking about the Son of God coming to earth and dying in our place and saving us. We might face ridicule for that. But what does he say here? But for those who are being saved, it is the power of God and the wisdom of God. It is the truth. It is the life-changing reality that we listen and hear and works in our hearts. And that's what preaching is all about. It's preaching Christ Christ crucified, preaching from all of scripture, how it leads to that moment, how it leads to to Jesus, and how we proclaim his death and his resurrection and the difference that makes for sinners like you and me. That's the ultimate goal, isn't it, of preaching? Uh, That actually God would speak to us and show us Jesus. And we'd know him more deeply and we'd have a, a deeper, stronger relationship with him. The Bible reveals Jesus to us. We've got to be really careful we don't kind of miss that and love the Bible more than Jesus. Actually, he warns against that. He speaks to some Pharisees in the book of John. uh, And this is what he says to them. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me and have life. That's really significant, isn't it? We, We... we know the Bible is really important and really significant and an incredible, an incredible thing for God to, to give us. But it's not just about knowing that. It's about knowing his son through that. We should never, we should never get distracted from Jesus by kind of the, the, I don't know, any sort of academic details and the study. It's really important, but it should always lead to, to glorifying Jesus and knowing him more deeply, more strongly, more richly. We saw that, didn't we? in the sermon that Peter preached in the book of Acts that we read earlier. It was all about Jesus. It was all about Jesus, everything that Jesus had done. So how could I preach about preaching without doing that, without preaching Christ? We've got to, we've got to always see and know him, haven't we? It should help us realize, shouldn't it, that actually our, on our own, left to our own devices, our, our situation is hopeless. Our sin has ruined everything. We have rejected God. We are cut off from him. And we feel hopeless when we realize that, when we accept that. And when we come together, we read verses like this, which give us great, great news. 1 Timothy 1.15. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. This is hope, this is love, this is, this is the good news, friends. This is the glorious news of the gospel. We meet Jesus, who came into the world to save sinners like you and me. He loves us, he gives himself for us. He lays down his life to save us and, and give us eternal life. Isn't that wonderful, isn't that glorious? This is what he does for us. 
This is who he is. He loves us so much. It is wonderful. It's glorious. It should be the best news we could ever hear. And we get to hear it every week. We get to remember it together and celebrate it together. It's good. That actually we are no longer helpless. We're no longer destined for the kind of horrors, uh, horrors of hell. But Christ Jesus has done all that we need in loving us and dying for us and, and taking, his de- taking our debt of sin on himself. Rescuing us, giving us life, declaring us right with him, giving us the hope of eternal life. That's who we come. We proclaim Christ. And he is not dead. He is alive. He is risen. He gives us that certainty of eternal life. We will live where forever with him. It will be glorious if you're trusting him alone. So friends, my desire really is through the preaching here as a church that you leave each week with that deep joy, deep reassurance in who Jesus is, in what he has done for you, in how he loves you and cares for you. And hopefully that gives you great reassurance and that you know you're safe, that you know you can trust him through thick and thin. And my hope also is for anyone here who does not trust Jesus alone, that maybe God would open your eyes as you sit and as you listen, as you take things in, and you'd see your need for that, and you'd see how much he loves you, how much he, he wants to, to draw you to himself. Please listen, please consider all that Jesus has done for you. If you've got questions, come talk to me, come pray with me afterwards. But that's the prayer, isn't it? That, that week by week we would preach Christ and that we would listen to God speak through his word and we would know him more deeply. We'd have a stronger relationship with him that gives us more boldness to share our faith, more confidence in our standing before him so that maybe we have a stronger desire to, to, to grow in godliness as well. To live for him, to love others and please Jesus. We've got to remember that that the love he has shown us is far beyond any other love we could ever experience. Any other love. What a privilege it is, isn't it? To come and remember that together. He loves us all if we're trusting in him as the worst of sinners. We are the worst of sinners and yet he has done all that for us. And we stand forgiven and made new and united as his church together. Hopefully you can rejoice in that. Hopefully you can give thanks in that reality. So I know there's a lot there, but I hope this afternoon has given you a kind of fresh appreciation for preaching, a fresh thankfulness that God has given us his words and speaks through it. Maybe a fresh hunger to come and hear and to grow and to to listen. But should we pray? Should we pray and thank God for that and, and ask for him to be at work in us? Let's pray. Father God, thank you again for speaking to us through your words. Thank you that we can proclaim Christ crucified. Thank you for the difference that he has made to us and the incredible relationship that we have with him. Lord, would would the preaching here always be for your glory and not for the glory of the preacher? Would it always be to, to, to show us more of your love and more of the gospel, more of that wonderful grace that you would release us from burdens and not pour burdens on us, that we'd, we would live for you and serve you from a place of great freedom, knowing how much you love us and care for us. We just pray, Lord, that as the weeks go by and the years go by, you would be with us by your spirit, 
speaking to us, ministering to our hearts, helping us grow in our understanding and our change and, and to live more godly lives. And Lord, would we be known in this town as people who proclaim Christ and, and show the difference that makes as well, that we are welcoming and accepting and full of grace and love for others because that's what you've shown us. Please, Lord, be at work, we pray. Amen.